Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today's message comes from the Gospel reading of Mark, chapter 9, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, I don't know about you, but sometimes I find that the world we live in is so complicated. Because we're faced with so many choices, so many decisions to make, and there are so many things that want to pull us in all different kinds of directions. And much of that has been aided by technological advancements. Take television, for example. There used to be a time when you didn't have the ability to watch football games on TV because TVs weren't around. So you listened to the game on the radio or went and saw the game in person. Now you can buy a package and it will have every single football game on the screen at the same time and you just pick the small box you want. No more turning dials or trying to memorize channel numbers, just point and click. Same thing with watching a movie or TV show. If you have Netflix, you have so many options before you. You can watch what's most popular. You can watch what others are watching right now. And Netflix will even make suggestions for you based on what you've watched in the past. I can't tell you how many times I've scrolled through the menu trying to find something only to end up saying, why don't you just choose? Sometimes it's nice to think about life when things were much simpler and not so complicated. That's what I'm reminded of today in the gospel reading. As they were walking from one place to the next, the disciples had argued about who was the greatest. Now, I have no idea what they used to determine greatness back then, whether it was who was the strongest or fastest or smartest, or if it was something less physical or mental, like who had the best beard or whose sandals matched the closest to Jesus's. Or who gave the best prayer before a meal? Or who was able to cast out demons the fastest? Or who had the best memory of God's word? But Jesus is going to set them straight. He tells them that if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. If you want to be first, you have to be last. If you want to be great, you have to be the least. And then Jesus is going to take it one step further. He's going to give them an object lesson. He's going to have a children's chat with his disciples. And so he takes a child in his arms. Now in the next couple of weeks, we'll continue reading through the Gospel of Mark and seeing how great children are, how important they are, how much they're valued, and what we can learn from them. Obviously, when we think about children, their life is much less complicated than ours. As a baby, your choices are very simple. Eat, sleep, and poop. As you get older, you have a few more options. Whether or not to potty train. Whether or not to actually sleep when it's nap time. Whether or not to eat what you're given for supper. Still in the category of eat, sleep, and poop, just with a little more difficulty from those children that couldn't verbalize in earlier stages of life. 
outside of crying. And it's important for us to talk about children because we live in a world where children are not valued. Society doesn't care about children, and that's because they've determined when a child can be called a child and when it can't be. And that happens basically only once the child is out of the womb. The umbilical cord is cut and it breathes on its own. Up until that point, the child is just part of the mother's body and therefore doesn't have any rights. Now this picture and quote you see isn't new, but it came up recently and so I thought I'd share it with you today. The idea is that a child in the womb is a child no matter what, whether it was just conceived or is a day away from delivery. It kind of reminds me of Dr. Seuss's book, Horton Hears a Who. A person's a person, no matter how small. And if you want to know whether or not God would agree with that, let's take a look at his word. Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. This is the beginning of Jesus' story, but what you see here is that Mary was found to be with child. With what? Child. Not a cluster of cells, but a child. That means from conception, this child is valued by God because it is a living being just like all of us are. God calls it a child. So do you really want to argue with God? This also means that when a child never makes it out of the womb, it is a life that is passed away. And we mourn with those who go through it, just as we mourn with those whose child passes away at one or one hundred. Now I tell all of you this not to try and bring you down, but because sometimes things in the world get too complicated when they are much simpler than we make them out to be. And that child that was in Mary's womb is the same child that takes a child into his arms and says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Last week we had our Christian education kickoff. Bible studies have started and will continue to meet, and next week you'll be hearing about the two lamp teams and the work that was done in Satchko Lake and Pelican Narrows. When we look at the role of the church, which is us, in our world today, we can look at Jesus' words and see that we are called to receive welcome children. Children like the ones that were reached during our summer lamp trips. Children like the ones that were reached during vacation Bible school. Children that have come for Sunday school this year. Those children then grow up to become like each and every one of you sitting here today. And there's more out there to be reached. But here's the thing. The church doesn't always get things right. I don't always get things right. That's because the church is made up of sinners. I am a sinner. 
And so we don't always welcome children. We don't always welcome people here. Or at least we don't always make them feel welcome. We don't love the children as much as we should because we love ourselves more. And as a result, we don't make them a priority. But that's also because we don't make worship a priority. We want to be great to be the greatest like the disciples The problem is that all of us have things that get in the way of our greatness. Jesus can tell us all he wants about what it means to be great, but we also have the world telling us the exact opposite of what his greatness really is. And so what gets in the way are things like greed, envy, sexual immorality, We're lazy and selfish and worship other things besides God. We're prideful, covetous, gluttons. We're angry and bitter and we hate. We have lots of resentment. We're conceited and abusive and faithless. And so rather than seeing God as the one who works in us for greatness— We have different priorities than what God sees as being best for us. And so we put all kinds of other things before God. Our work, our hobbies, holidays, vacations, sleeping in, sports, not wanting to see other people at church because we have a conflict with them or because we're ashamed of something we've done or because we don't want people judging us or because we feel like we're being judged. And it's all because of sin. And what we deserve for our selfishness, pride, idolatry, for all the times we want to be our own God, what we deserve is to spend eternity in hell with Satan, who tried to be God, who lost that battle, and who is now battling to bring as many people to be with him as he can. We don't deserve greatness. We deserve death, eternal death, hell. There's lots of things in the world and in our life that pull us away from Christ, and they all lead to damnation. Christ came to pull you back on the path that leads to salvation. And he did it by taking your sins, taking your damnation, taking hell for you. He is the great one, the perfect one, the first. But he became last for us. He gave up his life, the greatest thing he could do, to restore us, to redeem us, to reconcile us to himself, to give us forgiveness, life, and salvation, to give us everything we don't deserve, to prove to us how important and valuable and treasured we are. And he rose from the dead, proving that he had accomplished this for us, for every single one of us. And then he gave a number of gifts to his church. Thus, the church is also here to pull you back. Worship is important, and it is not intended to be something difficult to be a part of. When we look at the explanation of the third commandment, remember the Sabbath day, 
We fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. The only way that we can do this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who comes to us through God's word. The Holy Spirit who comes to us through baptism. The Holy Spirit who works in our faith in the Lord's Supper. Here in worship, we receive God's gifts, his means of grace, also known as the marks of the church. This is where the word of God is preached in its truth and purity, and the sacraments are rightly administered. That's it. It's simple. And so what we see in worship is we see the forgiveness of sins. We see the forgiveness of sins in the confession and absolution. We see the forgiveness of sins in baptism. And you've had a number of opportunities to witness baptisms recently on Sundays and Wednesdays. We see the forgiveness of sins in the Lord's Supper, and we get to receive that today. This is what the church is, and this is what the church needs. Because the church is full of sinners. Sinners, great and small of all shapes and sizes. The church is where sinners belong. The church is where I belong. Because it is here where Christ gives me everything that I need. Forgiveness, life, and salvation. Because Christ is here. It's that simple. And through God at work in us, we welcome little children. We welcome them to baptism. We welcome adult children. We welcome them to baptism if they haven't been baptized. Because in baptism, they all become great because they are marked as ones redeemed by Christ the crucified. We welcome those who have been taught about the Lord's Supper and believe in the words and promises of God to come to the altar and receive forgiveness, strengthening of faith, and salvation through Christ's body and blood, which makes us great. This invitation is for all people, because we are all called to faith through the Holy Spirit to come and receive Christ's gifts. It really is that simple. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding. Guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.